0: Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. All right, how we doing, church? Seriously, we get a week off. New Year, and you come with that week's stuff? Seriously? No, I know. I know worship was amazing, so maybe you're just tired out. Um, And honestly, we seriously could go, let's just go home right there. Um, But I like to preach. That's not going to happen. But that was absolutely incredible. What I do want to do is tell you about next week, we're starting a brand new series called um, I Declare War about winning the battles within. And so if you would, real quick, just check out this trailer, and then we're going to dive in. So we were going to play that on Christmas Eve and decided since there were kids in the room, uh, we'd save it for today. So that starts next week. A new series is a great time to invite somebody. So I hope you'll be there um, for that next weekend at one of our services. So um, today is uh, a special uh, Sunday for us. It's a big deal. Um, It's what we call our Vision Sunday and and our theme this year is For the One. And it's been a unique weekend because um, unexpectedly, it's always unexpected, but in this case, really unexpectedly, uh, about 36 hours ago, my wife lost her 31 year old brother and uh, made it really difficult to figure out you know, for about a minute what we were gonna do this weekend. And as her and I talked, there was no there honestly was no doubt um, what we're talking about this weekend, honestly, it makes it us feel it even more um, as her and her family and, and everybody involved walks through the brokenness and the pain and the hurt of all of that. Um, it really honestly clarifies even further, um, why we're here today and what we're doing today. And even as we sing those songs, his promises still stand. Like Jesus is gonna do what he said he was gonna do. Jesus is gonna fulfill every promise. Jesus is gonna wipe away every tear. Jesus is going to undo every mental illness. Jesus is gonna resurrect every dead and dying thing. He's gonna do everything he said he was gonna do. And today, even when we struggle to believe that, it's true. And we gather together today, and this is our belief: is that the church is the hope of the world. And so, um, for a couple minutes, um, I want to talk to you about. And I'm not really a stool guy normally, but can I use this for a second? Because I just feel like. And I, I went way off script in first service. That's kind of going to be kind of what I do again, if that's cool. Um, and so I, I don't. This message may not be anything like the first service. I'm not really sure. Um, but what I what I had even thought about as we were coming into this weekend was the whole idea of of brokenness and introducing this topic, which just became so, I mean, even more real, because we're walking through brokenness and we feel broken. And it's interesting, this is a weird thing to say, but we underestimate the power of a broken heart. And what I mean is like right now, like in the moment with maybe whatever you're going through or what we're going through, there's no way you can connect any dots. There's no way you can figure out a purpose or a reason. It's just, you're just not. Like there's no good answers. But there is power in brokenness. And I can't see it where we're at right now, but... Um, if you look at maybe even your own life, we can look at some things in our own life where whether it was mental illness and, and God used that brokenness to minister to other people, or maybe for you it was growing up in a really difficult home and now you foster kids out of the broken childhood that you grew up in, um, you could go on and on, like even um, historically. Every great movement has been born out of brokenness. Something is broken, it needs fixed from civil rights to whatever else you want to line up. Like there is it sounds weird but there is unbelievable power in a broken heart. In fact, there is unbelievable power, extraordinary power in brokenness. It's it's crazy, but I would argue this that on the other side of of brokenness maybe again not Where you're at right now, it's not where I'm at right now, but on the other side of brokenness, I would argue that that is the thing that if you allow it, that is the thing that fuels imagination. It fuels change. It fuels a preferred picture of a better future. In fact, anything that you can look to, whether it's a product or an organization or or something in family or marriage, a lot of the vision, and you maybe wouldn't put those terms on it, but the vision you have for your future is born out of something that you saw broken. And now it needs fixed. In fact, that's really the definition of vision. Vision is a picture of a future where you are able to fix what is broken. That's what vision is. And in the scriptures, it talks about this, that without vision, people perish, meaning things die. Marriages die a long, slow death. It, parenting your kids starts to go off the rails. Organizations lose sight of what's most important really, really quickly. Churches end up navigating away from what they were called to do because without vision for the future of understanding what is broken and not allowing that to lead to disillusionment, but to something needs to be fixed. And I have a, I have a vision for a better future opposed to what I've experienced or opposed to what I've walked through. It's why I would, I would argue this, that that asking the question of what breaks your heart, asking the question of what, what you are broken by, on the other side of answering that question may be where you find your purpose. It may be where you find your destiny. It may be where you find God's will for your life. Because this is like the theological standpoint, like we have entered planet earth and God came in the form of Jesus to fix what was broken. And now we are change agents on planet earth until Jesus comes back and we're taken home. We are, if you're a follower of Christ, we are redeemers and restorers. Meaning that wherever you are, You are the light of the world and you've been called to make that place better. And it doesn't matter where that's at, in your home, with your kids, in your neighborhood, in your school, in society, we are change agents bringing in this brand new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth. And it's not gonna be perfect until Jesus comes back, but we have been called to be redeemers and restorers on planet earth, meaning we should have the most vision of anybody in society to go, I know it's broken, I know it's messed up, I know it's jacked up. I know this is not the way things should be. And one day Jesus is coming back and he's gonna make all wrongs right. But until then, there is a vision that God wants to do something right now to redeem, to restore, to make it better and give me a vision for a preferred picture of a better future because I serve a resurrected Jesus. We should should be the most vision-saturated people in the world. And as we talk about specifically the local church this weekend, it's interesting because our our story, like why we're here as a church and why even pastor really centers out of brokenness. And I've told some of this before, so I'll go quick, but every year I, I try to come back to this because it's so paramount to our story, but um, I had no desire to be a pastor. I don't know who grows up with that, like, you know, career day, I wanna be a pastor. Like, I don't know who does that, um, but that wasn't on the list. I didn't want to pastor a church. I didn't want to lead a church. Um, And really everything that God has done in my life, it came on the other side of being broken um, by something. And my dad was an incredible pastor and um, him and my mom, most faithful people I've ever met, greatest influence in my life. Um, It's not even close. And I saw my dad pastor so well and have such an incredible impact, an impact that's still having ripple effects with people that he doesn't even know. But I saw them serve so faithfully, but um, I just, Like, I was just broken about some things. I don't know how personal I can get, but um, God, I felt like, began to call me, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to lead a church. And some of it, really personal reasons, like watching my parents who were so faithful, honestly, kind of get treated like crap in a few different seasons by, um, I'm going to be honest, by what I would refer to as theologically astute idiots, that's how it and Jesus loves them. I mean, the Bible word you just pull out fool if you think I'm off the rails. He would call them fools. So theologically astute fools. Um, and I thought there's no, there's no way that I, I want to be a part of it. And then I I had some friends. Um, in high school and early on in college walked through some really difficult stuff like a lot of us do and struggling with some habits they couldn't get over. And several of them walked through seasons where they just started to have doubts about what, what they believed and whether they believed and whether this was real. And you know all that stuff that a lot of us go through. And I, I saw them without overstating, I saw them get completely shut down and unwelcomed by the church. And the prevailing underlying, nobody spoke it message tended to be as soon as you get your crap together, you can come. As soon as you believe what we believe, as soon as you, you know, get it all together to look like we look, then you are invited in. And then I would look at the New Testament and be like, I don't see that Jesus anywhere in there. Like his invitation was never like change and get your crap together and come. It was always just come, just join us and Jesus can change you. Jesus can change any human heart. Jesus can change any behavior. Jesus can change any bit of thinking because he's full on grace and full on truth. And we as the church are the physical representation of Jesus on planet earth. I don't know if you know that or not. Like, as jacked up as we are and as unimpressive as we are, I don't know why he chose it this way, but this is his vehicle, not just broad global terms, but the church is gathered in local communities around the message of Jesus. This is his plan A to get out the message of the good news of Christ when we are on mission. This is his movement. And so whatever Jesus looked like is what the local church should look like. And Jesus, as we've said often, man, and what is so shocking as you look at the gospels to me is constantly attracting people that nobody else attracted and they loved being around him and apparently Jesus loved hanging around them and there was never any fear, but if they were around Jesus long enough, their life changed. And that's what the church has been called to represent. That's the kind of places and gatherings and movements we should be. But in many cases, like that's, That's not what I saw, if I can just be honest. And that was just my experience. And so I I got to a place where I was just, I loved the local church in spite of all of that. Honestly, I think because of the faithfulness of my parents and their love for Jesus. And I knew it was God's plan, but man, I never wanted to lead one. And I was never gonna be a part of one in terms of in this type of role or or sitting on a stage. And so I thought, well, I'm just gonna go into business because I'll get treated badly probably there too, but I'll make more money. (laughs) Serious thought. And so I did that for a little while. And I don't know if you know this, man, but if Jesus has got a plan, he will run you down. He will freaking run you down. And so I got um, into this, this job in this corporate environment that I was working in for a little while. And I met a girl that I've told her story before by the name of Lauren. And we're about the same age, early 20. So we were going through all the stuff that you go through at that time. Like she had, you know, tons of questions, you know, just about life and faith and where to go next, and even career stuff, like all that stuff you're thinking of. And she was carrying some stuff from a few years before that was pretty dark and deep and she had scars from that and she had baggage from that and and she was like investigating. And we developed a relationship and I'll never forget this time we were sitting across the table in a cafeteria in this place we worked and As I began to develop a relationship, I I got a chance to tell her about Jesus and the hope in Jesus and the fact that like he's got a plan for her life regardless of how bad it's been over the last five years and that he's got a destiny for her and he loves her and he's accepted her and like the good news, the gospel. And I'll never forget, like we had this really kind of intimate conversation and staring across the table from her and her looking at me as I'm talking about this. And she's like, I so like with emotion in her voice, I so want to believe that. I so want to believe that that is true for me. But honestly, because of my experience with the church, it is really difficult for me to believe that that is true and that it's true for me. And like, I just, almost like physically got upset. And, and so I thought, man, I have got to introduce this girl to like this, the incredible hope in Jesus. And I've got to introduce her to the church on mission because we are the representative of Jesus. And so until she sees that, until she sees the church on mission, she is never gonna take Jesus seriously. And then I had kind of an old crap moment with her. And that was, where do I, where do I, the heck do I take her? And, and let me just be fair, tons of great churches everywhere. Jesus is doing his thing all over the world. But in that particular time with her, there wasn't a lot of places. There was churches on every corner, but but there were some that, man, they were committed to the scriptures and they were sincere and I loved that. And they genuinely loved Jesus, but they had no idea the questions that she was asking and how to answer those questions. And there was others that they were not quite as sincere and it started to look a little more like a country club. And there's no way that she was gonna feel accepted there or wear the right things. And she didn't know any of the language. And um, she would always felt like an outsider. And, And then there was others that had really great lights and laser shows And yet they were never really introduced to the truth in Jesus because Jesus is full on grace and he's full on truth. And I really do believe that the scripture is the inspired infallible word of God. Like God spoke through that. And the only hope for any individual to have their life in eternity changed is only through Jesus. And so you can have all the laser shows in the world. If Jesus is not the end game, it is meaningless and it's worthless. And so I thought like, where where do I take this girl where, like she can come as a skeptic and with questions with hurt and someone would actually speak to her and answer the questions that she's asking and she would feel welcomed and she would understand it. And yet nothing would be watered down and nothing would be compromised. And she could sit next to the person like me that grew up in the church and knew all the language and all the theology. And both of them would be challenged to either grow in a relationship with Jesus or grow in terms of their investigating Jesus. And I just couldn't find that place at that period in time. And that was the old crap moment because as I was sitting across from her and she's telling her story, I'm telling you, it began to break something in me because I knew her so well and I knew her story so well and I knew what Jesus was doing in her life so well that like it began to wreck me where I thought somebody needs to do something. And that somebody is clearly not me, but there is like 170,000 people in a so many mile radius and they do not believe that Jesus really is offering good news for their life. And there's people like Lauren, and I know what's at stake because everybody's gonna spend forever somewhere. And I remember God just breaking my heart over that. And I think like for a lot of us, we need to be reintroduced to the one, whoever the one is, and it needs to begin to break our heart. And there was a small group of people whose hearts broke with me and against all odds, because this was not my dream, that God wanted me to be a pastor of a church and, and starting a little church with about 30 people because they all came around one idea. We had no idea what we're doing and still don't, but they had this, this one idea of, hey, we know people just like Lauren, and the church should be a lot more, I don't know, recovery group than it should be country club, and it should be, you hear us say this all the time, it should be welcoming and accessible to every type of person imaginable from every background, and can I just tell you my angst? Everybody agrees with that until the, the one or two things that they're most nervous with shows up, whether it's they vote for a different political party or have a different sexual orientation. And then all of a sudden, the love one another at all costs tends to go out the window for the local church. I'm talking about welcoming and accessible for everybody. And people that came around the idea that, that I was hoping you were alive there. I was getting a lot more from the 9 a.m., but it's fine. I'm teaching on a stool. Maybe you need me to get up and run around and yell a little more. Um, I'm kind of liking this. So the idea that it should really just be about one thing, and that is the one thing Jesus said we should be known for, which is imperfectly loving one another. And if we do that well, and if we, we preach the scriptures and what Jesus has said, lives will change. And Jesus will take the one and where our hearts are broken for the one, and he will create a city-shaping movement out of that. And like, can you imagine if that had been your experience, some of you at the local church? that it was welcoming and accessible to everybody, including your 16 year old. Can you imagine if it really would have been a safe place to not be okay and where people were just lifting up Jesus and going, man, you just need Jesus. Can you imagine what would have happened? Can you imagine what would have happened in your marriage during that season when it was rocky and and you were rolling through that? Or can you imagine what would have happened with some of you, this is so personal, your adult kid that you are praying and pleading with God that he'd lead them back to church and they'd come to know Jesus. Can you imagine maybe what would have happened and what could have been prevented in their life? Can you imagine maybe what would have happened for your neighbors down the street who have these massive questions and the last place they feel like is a safe place to ask those questions is a local church. Can you imagine if we looked a little bit more like that? I love what Paul says. He says this, this is the message paraphrase, but he talking about the church, he said this, the mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all of their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, this is so strong, stand on the same ground before God. And then he says this in verse 10, through Christians like yourselves, like you, you, me, you. I know like, I know in 2018, we're pretty sophisticated and evolved and all of those things. And we, we think we're smart enough to rewrite what we think works now, and whatever Jesus set up, we can kinda take that or leave that. I'm just telling you, the church is still the hope of the world. I know we wanna write blogs to the contrary, and we wanna come up with different ways, and we're gonna do our own thing over here. The church gathered around the message of Jesus, around the preaching of the scriptures, about the proclamation of him, about worship in the community as they gather and then scatter for light. That still is the plan A, it still is the hope of the world, and it is the only thing Jesus is gonna use until Jesus comes back. And so he says he says through Christians like you gathered as churches this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and it's becoming talked about. And I know for some of us we don't feel that but maybe you grew up in the church and church is just church to you and you've had a great experience and you just have always believed and never questioned and that's great and I'm I'm happy for that. But I'm telling you there are people in the cubicle next to you and in the three doors down in your neighborhood serving on the PTA. And they've experienced a lot of church and there's a church on every corner and they know a lot about Jesus and they have no idea that he has an extraordinary plan for their life and they've never encountered the good news of the gospel. And they're all around us. And I'm telling you, I think what Paul's saying is we've got to get this right. Never gonna be perfect, but God is such a skilled architect. When we make what is most important to him most important, he is such a skilled architect, he will take busted up people and he really will create a city shaping movement. I love what he, he says in 2 Corinthians 5. This is the reason, because Christ's love, what's the word? Compels us. Because Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us to go to the one. Christ's love compels us to sacrifice for the one. Christ's love compels us to give up whatever we've got to give up for the one. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, meaning everybody's dead spiritually and everybody needs life and that life is only found in Jesus. And then he says this in verse 18, All of this is from God, talking about this good news, forgiveness, we can be reconciled, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, through Jesus. And this is so important and so powerful. Gave who? No, no, I'll say it like you mean it. Gave who? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Like that, that is the message of the church. The message of the church is this. I could get off the stool for just a second. The message of the church is this. Do you know you can be reconciled to God? Do you know you can be reconciled to God? Do you know you can be? Like the message of the church is, God has removed every barrier to you having a relationship with God other than your decision to say yes. God has removed every single obstacle, every single barrier, every single thing that would get in the way of you having a relationship with the God of the universe, of calling God heavenly father, of being able to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. God has removed every barrier to that other than your decision to say yes. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. And that should be the mission and the message of the local church in everything we do, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplace. When we show up, on the weekends, when we park cars, when we serve with little babies, when we greet people on the way in, that is our message. I know you struggle with mental illness. Do you know you can be reconciled to God? I know that you've walked through some dark times and you walked out. Do you know you can be reconciled to God? I know about the thoughts that you have struggled with and that you have maintained for years. And God says to you, do you know that you can be reconciled to God? I know things are dark. I know you're dysfunctional. I know you are lost. I know you feel purposeless. Do you know you can be reconciled to God? And that is the message of the church. Every barrier has been torn away. You just need to say yes to Jesus. That's what we do. We are ministers of reconciliation. And that's the church that we imagine. That's why we do what we do because God has removed every barrier. It's why early on we came up with this strategy or vision statement that just said this, that we wanted to be a church or create churches that would tear away every unnecessary barrier to people connecting with Jesus. Because Jesus is the only hope for change. Like this is why we wanna create a place that is accessible and welcoming for everybody because we should never create a church that puts up the barrier that says, as soon as you get your junk together, you can come. It's a message that Jesus says is just come, join us and you will change because Jesus is the source of change. It's why we should have a place that is, the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything. The reason is because we should never put up a barrier that tells people that they have to be inauthentic or hypocrites because when they are them true their truest selves, when they are open with whatever is going on in their life, the message is God can reconcile them and God can put it back together. Our message should be, it is welcoming and accessible to every single person on the planet because there should never be a barrier that says you've got to change and come. And that doesn't matter whether it's Democrat or Republican or gay or straight or transgender, or some other religious background. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you are coming out of. The message is, I came for the world and the church is a herald of that message. Just come in, we're gonna preach Jesus, we're gonna have the scriptures at the center, but we are gonna remove every obstacle so that you can know regardless of where you've come from, you can be reconciled to God and all you have to do is say yes. That's the message. And I think for us, like that's what drives it, but I think that becomes really ethereal until until there's one in front of us that that represents what this is about. And for me, it's always been about the one. I never had a desire to be a pastor. I never had a desire to have a, a radio ministry, never even thought about that kind of stuff or a uh, a mega church, or all this ridiculous things. It really was because I met this girl by the name of Lauren and she, my heart broke for where she was at. And on this weekend, when we're so reminded of brokenness, it's, it's my brother-in-law that fuels me to go, this is why we do what we do. This is why we create what we create. This is why we feel it. Nothing else matters other than than the one and making sure that for everybody else's one, that we are letting them know that they can be reconciled to God. And there is hope. I guess weekends like Christmas Eve, where I get a, a little note from this lady and it just says, you know, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for making me feel so welcomed here. And you're like, well, that's a nice note. But what was really powerful about that note is knowing her story that several months ago, she walked in here in order to, in her mind, get forgiveness for the suicide that she was about to go through with that afternoon. And instead she walked in and everything didn't go away and everything didn't get solved, but she encountered Jesus who began to change everything. And it's her, that's why we do what we do. Or it's its a lady that um, I met, on Christmas Eve, and I love this. she They don't even go to our church, they go to another church in the area, which is awesome. And um, But they, were, they brought their adult daughter who finally agreed to come, and they're like, we can't take her to our church. But, and this is her exact words, everybody knows that if you've got somebody who's far from God or investigating her, doesn't know you take them to center point. And I'm like, I'll take that all day long, all day long. And listen, we're just a part of what God's doing, but I think what some of you don't know is God's given you a unique voice. And there are churches everywhere and they're amazing and God's doing incredible things, but there's about 170,000 who are disconnected from Jesus. And there's a bunch of people who are genuinely in the skeptical and cynical camp, or maybe they're in a place where they've known Jesus all along, but they've never really grown in terms of the good news. And you are reaching some people that nobody else is reaching. And most of you don't realize that, but I'm telling you, it's true. There's a ton of people that are genuinely investigating and far away. And this is the place that they're showing up every week, thousands of them online. And it it for us is not the huge numbers. It is the one person that we wanna connect back in terms of relationship with Jesus. And it's why we need to keep going and why we need to keep pushing. It's why we're here. And here's the thing I would tell you. I think for most of us, we're for that. When I talk about that, you're like, yes. You are all about it, a lot of you until it's uncomfortable, until you actually have to sacrifice something. There's a ton of churches that are all about John 3:16, and we are for the world until they actually have to give up some things that are very difficult to reach that world when you have to do some things that you've never done before. But I'm telling you, it is the one that compels us to do it. And it's Christ's love that has the power to change them that compels us to do it. And so where we are as a church right now is is through what God's done in a little group of people. He's grown that and he's moved and he's changing hearts and changing lives. Over this last weekend, you already heard it said, we had 2,000 at our Christmas Eve services and that's more than 700 up from 700 from the year before. And more importantly, 30 plus, maybe many more than that, but that we know of place their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time, which is incredible. Right now we have, and I don't like to talk about this a lot because it's just uncomfortable, but a radio ministry that we were approached with that is growing rapidly. And I didn't even wanna do this initially. Who needs another radio preacher? Why is that even a thing? And the whole issue was they were looking to reach some people that nobody else was reaching in that context. And, and there was actually a massive audience among people that just dial scan, which I never would have thought of, that, that are far from God, far from the church. We would never be able to get in to speak to them otherwise. And so that's what we're about as a church. So we decided to take the step, and it is growing rapidly to the point of they wanna move it to national syndication in the next couple of years, which I'm uncomfortable even talking about other than to say, God is doing something through you. He's reaching some people that nobody else is reaching and it's all about the one. And that's gonna change some things for our church in the coming years, just in terms of influence and recognition. In some ways it's already starting to do that and it's not about any of those things, it is about the one. Over this past October, we had about 4,000 at our Trunk or Treat event um, we've, we've seen our middle school, high school about triple in size in eight months. And we've seen many, yeah, you can, next generation, man, you can give it up. And we've seen so many people make decisions for Christ. So I say all that to say, like we've been investigating knowing that to, in order to keep going, we had to make some decisions that are optimal time services generally through most times of the year, we're well over 80%. And I know you don't care about any of this, so I'll try to go quick. On some of this, you've got a job and you got kids to raise and all that stuff. But um, people will tell you that you just cap it size at 80% capacity. It just happens. It's a natural law. It's, we hear stories all the time that you would never hear and it would never move you because you don't know about it. But literally people who will talk about, they don't come to certain services because if they get in a certain time, it's gonna be hard to find a seat, um, different things like that. And it's, it's lowering our ability to connect. And optimal times, what I mean by that is when everybody wants to go to church. Like 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m. rather than 12.30, which is next up today, or 5 o'clock on Sunday night. I mean, some of you grew up in an environment where we did that, where you came on Tuesday for, I don't even know what, I think we just made stuff up. And then we came back on Wednesday, and then we did something. And Anybody grow up in that thing with me? Yeah. Yeah. but not ideal. And so we we began to, like we we needed to create more capacity at optimal times, meaning when, when the most amount of people want to come. And right now on an average weekend, we're running a, like nearly a thousand. And so we know that not just in here though, the greater need is even with our children's facility. We are way under what we should have for the size of our church now. And hopefully there's nobody from the fire department here. There's times where I'm not saying it gets to, it's close to the line of, some kind of violation that we should care about. So um, so we needed to do some things. So what we did was we began to investigate with a, um, a company called Visioneering and we spent months with them um, trying to be, financially great stewards. And like, we don't want to go into debt as much as possible. And we want to be lean. And our goal was to grow and spread. It's always been the heart for our church and we're not trying to build a kingdom, but we are trying to reach people. And so we began to look at all the options and they came back with basically all of our options are two to three years out. Expand this facility, we're property locked, go to another facility, all things that we're still investigating. And as our church grows, we continue to look at every option, but Like that just wasn't acceptable. We were not gonna spend two or three years or honestly even two months where we knew we would have an inability to connect certain people, that we would cap the ability to reach certain parts of our city where we'd have events like trunk or treat and then we're praying that none of them come because we don't have room for you. Like, we're not gonna do that. It was unacceptable to our executive team. It was unacceptable to our directors. It was unacceptable to our elders. I mean, unanimously, not even blinking an eye, gotta find another option. And we had a a host of people outside um, that really fulfilled that verse. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And uh, one was somewhat of a mentor relationship that's developed with one of the largest churches in the country known as Bayside, who's been an unbelievable help to us and, and started to birth some other ideas of, hey, what are some things right in front of you? where you can just get creative and unique. And one of the things that's true is that scarcity always breeds creativity. A lot of times when we see something we don't have enough, that's grounds for where God wants to work. And it's gonna push you into something else that you would never considered before. And so we began to look right in front of us and look at how to make some things financially viable. And, and this isn't signed on the dotted line yet, but there's a, a property where with a charter school um, which we had never thought about kind of partner partnering with them. They'll have no contact or affiliation with our church, but we'll be able to better utilize facilities and be financially responsible, which if you give here, you should care about that. And so working to finalize that and all of that said, um, we began to look at what was right in front of us. And so on Easter Sunday, April the 21st, We are going to launch a Centerpoint North campus, literally right across the road at the whole Old Horizon Christian Church property, that will immediately double our capacity, and we're pretty excited about that. Now, for some of you, you can just look at that as an additional service. That's really what they're additional services, but not at crazy times. At optimal times, meaning more nine a.m.s and more ten forty-five a.m.s. And um, we are—it's one church. It's just. One of the auditoriums happens to be across the road. Um, There's gonna be full childcare. Uh, All the worship will be the same. Um, Again, things that you don't know, our worship team has grown by about four times um, with unbelievable talent and people who love Jesus. They don't just get on a a stage and sing. There will be the same amount of video and live teaching among both. There will be literally no differences whatsoever. Um, It will be one church with two auditoriums. Um, It will also create a significant amount of space for our children's. Ministry, it also gives us the opportunity to moving our offices off site here if we need to, and immediately being able to expand our children's facility without having to build on, which saves hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, um, that's a huge thing as well. And there's the potential of this really being financially viable in such a way, and I don't have the details yet, that would make this almost support itself from day one. And again, if you give here, you should care about that. We wanna be as financially lean as possible um, and be able to reach people in our community. Um, We needed more space for our velocity environment that I already talked about. It provides a lot more space there. And the thing about it is um, there's no JV varsity, if, if you're concerned about that. Um, you haven't seen that facility yet, but our celebration night on Sunday, January 27th is going to be at that facility across the road. That facility is bigger than this facility. Auditorium size is a little bigger. Children's size classrooms is significantly bigger. It's newer, probably nicer. So this may be looked at actually as the JV side. Um, eventually the South Campus, North Campus is gonna be the bougie side um, of the, the church. But um, there's some things that need done there, but it is um, it's just incredible. And it was right in front of us with what God did over this last year, um, bringing Horizon as part of our family. And so um, that is what we are working toward. And we believe that for this season, things will continue to change. I've told you this again and again. Um, If you're looking for a place where you can just find a, a plaque and a pew and just do what you want, never have to move and die there, this is not the place for you. Things will always change. Um, we don't know where we're gonna go next, but we know this is the immediate solution to expand um, our capacity. And so um, we're gonna go really big these next four months in praying and preparing and getting ready um, for this campus launch. And we believe God's gonna do an incredible thing. When we've been able to open up seats, more seats at optimal times, that don't violate fire code, we have seen those fill up and God begin to grow that. And probably more so than than some of you realize. And so I'm um, we're excited about what God is gonna do in reaching somebody's one, including my one, that I'm more passionate about than ever before. So can I just tell you a couple things and I'll be done? Okay, is that all right? The seven of you that you're like, here, here's, here's what I wanna say. So it is obvious that I have to get up and run around and yell to keep your attention. I'm thinking, (laughs) let me say a couple of things I think are really important. And then I I will be done. Um, Here's how we need to move forward. If I can just say this, if if you call yourself a CC, if you're part of this gathering or, or you're moving in that direction, if you're not, I'm not talking to you, but um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying, if this is not your home, you haven't committed to this, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, But if you're a part of our CC family, I, I can't tell you what to do either. You don't have to listen to it. But as your pastor, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. This is really important for us to move forward. Here's the how in terms of how we go forward. We must risk failure. In order to quote Greg Craig Rochelle, in order to reach people nobody else is reaching, we have to do some things that nobody else is doing. Well, I've never seen anybody have a facility right across the street. It is done, but regardless, who cares? We never set out to look to our right and left to go, what is everybody else is doing? Jesus, what do you want us to do? Where are you leading our church? And how can we reach some people that nobody else to our right and left is reaching? And we'll just follow your lead on that. So that doesn't need to scare you. We will do whatever it takes. If you're looking for a seat to get comfortable, I'm telling you, it's not the place. In fact, I think you should willingly move around to different seats, I don't know why I keep harping on this, in the auditorium, just to make yourself uncomfortable. Because I'm telling you, one of the enemies to your spiritual growth and God's destiny for your life is your comfort. It is on the other side of stepping out of your comfort that you find destiny and purpose in God's will. One of the greatest enemies to the churches in our area is not Satan. It's our inability to step out and get uncomfortable and sacrifice for the sake of the mission. Just preaching a little bit. We we have to be willing to risk and we have to be willing to get uncomfortable and we cannot run scared. We cannot run scared. Here's what I mean. Some of you are so worried and so concerned that we continue to grow, that we're gonna become this large and personal church and you've got scars and wounds from something that's happened in the past. And I just wanna tell you, we cannot run scared. And you can't, can I say this? I don't, we, can't have, we can't have an unspoken theology when we say we're comfortable and this is it. We cannot have an unspoken theology that tells our neighbors they can go to hell. That may be too blunt, but I, I think at the end of the day, that's what we do. I'm good, we're good, find another place. God's called us to something unique. And can I just say this, community is never based on the number of people. When you when you engage in community, when you get into a community group, when you go through next steps that I think everybody here should do that helps you get connected to this body, when you serve somewhere on the team, those people who started with us when there was 30 people, I'm telling you, at 1,000 people, they feel like this is as much family and community as they've ever experienced in their life. Go ask them. Because they are plugged in, they are serving, and they are sacrificing for the mission. And I'm telling you, you will find family if you're willing to engage and I'm kind of on a roll here, so I'll just keep I may exit out the back, but let me tell some of you this. You're in a place right now where you're so worried about community. God's given you the ability to step in and lead a group and you won't do it. And I just wanna lovingly say to you, shut up. Right. I mean, if God's given you that I can be the solution to the problem or what I fear, then you need to step in and do it. You need to lead a group. You need to create community. You need to get other people plugged in. You need to help create family. And as we grow larger, you've gotta deal with whatever you're carrying from your past and not bring it into here. It's the same as in a relationship where you're coming out from your ex, but you're still treating in your new relationship, you're still treating them under the ideas of what happened before and you need to deal with the relationship dysfunction and move on. A lot of you, what you've experienced that hurt you wasn't because something grew. God desires for things to grow if they're healthy. It had everything to do with they lost sight of the mission. It became about kingdom building that wasn't building the kingdom, and it hurt and wounded a lot of people, and you need to deal with that to move forward and not get in a place where you are so comfortable that now you're willing to just chill, put your feet up while people around us are dying without Jesus. It must move forward. We must not be afraid of growth. We serve a resurrected Jesus, so it demands that we reach our city, and it demands that we reach our community. And then lastly, we got to have a vision for the future that is more compelling than the success of our past. And for our church, God has led a ton of incredible leaders from all over the city. A lot of leaders that have actually been a part of building um, what were some great churches at times and Um, doing some incredible things for the name of Jesus. And this is in a lot of ways become a hospital, not just for people who don't know Jesus, but people who know and love Jesus, but have been wounded, God's led them here. And I just wanna lovingly speak to you over the fact that you're obsessed with sharing your time hops of what happened a decade ago. And I just wanna lovingly exhort you and ask you, what are you doing today? Who are you reaching today? How are you building up the church today? because there are people who are dying without Jesus. Have I said that enough? There's people like my brother-in-law that needed church on mission, tearing away every unnecessary barrier to the gospel. There were people like Lauren that needed what God is doing through you. And we cannot get obsessed with what has happened in the past and somehow forget that you don't retire from this and God wants to do something new and fresh through you today and through us today. And listen, are there gonna be things that are hard? Yeah, I mean, as hard as it gets for a church in the West. I think, actually, can I just say this? And I said, I'm going to be done about 50 times in the last service. I really got to wrap this thing up. I don't want us to even use the hard word. Like until we're forced underground somewhere or until maybe the need is not as big as it is. But I think when you're talking about people moving from death to life and from lost to found and the reality that people really are going to spend forever somewhere, I don't think hard should show up in that vocabulary. Is it hard to launch a couple extra services in the light of people's forever, not really. And so we got to do this and I don't have time to to talk about this. So I told the 9am, this is what I was about to share was going to be amazing. I'm sure. And, the Holy Spirit was going to move through it, and I just don't have time to share it. So, what I'm going to give you is three things, and I was going to talk about this, and you were going to be so inspired and ready to go. So now I really am relying on the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say it, and you're going to do it. Um, we need you to give financially. We need you to serve, and we need you to invite. If we're going to be on mission, we need you. We need you to give. If we know Jesus, we need to fund this thing. We need you to serve. We're praying for 50 new people to volunteer to be a bridge builder, even this month, as we stretch out the tent curtains of what God is doing here, and I'm telling you, we are supporting ligaments in the household of God. Every single one of us has a role to play. Even if you think it is insignificant, I'm telling you, you bring it to us, we will find a place that God has uniquely designed for you. If you can't find that place, just start somewhere. Well, I'm not really a, you know, I don't park cars. I, I get that. But you are a part of the household of God. As Paul said, you are a supporting ligament in this body, in this movement. So be that ligament, be that part of the house. Like you don't have your teenage son come home to your house and be like, well, I just live here. I'm gonna go to sleep. And you're like, grab a mower and mow the lawn. Like we don't do that here, Right because you're a part of a house, you're a part of a body. Let's let's engage together. If everybody who names the name of Jesus, who's a part of this thing would step up and step in, I'm telling you, God would do something beyond what we could even imagine. And then we need you to invite, and here's the biggest reason, not because somebody just needs to come to church. Over the years, my wife and I, we we've lived in two places and we've always seen our neighborhoods as a mission field. And The stories now that we can look back on of God saving people and relationships that have been built and meals around our table and watching them show up and come to church and and how that's opened the door to conversations. I'm telling you, it's been one of the greatest privileges of our life. And what happens when you invite is not just somebody comes to church. I think that's misunderstood. You open the door to relationship in a lot of cases you open the door to conversations and God begins to work through it in ways that go way beyond just sitting in a row on a weekend. But here's the other thing I think we need. There is a lot of us that need to be broken again. And the reason that you are not stirred and the reason you don't feel this the way some of us feel this is because you're not broken for the one, there's no one for you. But I'm telling you, if you get up close enough to somebody who's investigating and they they need hope and you know that hope is in Jesus and you start to hear their story and their name and know their kids' names, it does something to you. When you're close enough to somebody with mental illness and they've never felt like the church was a safe place for them, and there you are in a conversation and you know that God has the opportunity to do something in their life, it begins to break and wreck your heart. And you need to begin to move in the direction of people and invite because it will move you in the direction of the need. And what it says in the New Testament is that every time Jesus was moved with compassion, you see that all throughout the New Testament, it was at very unique strategic times. It was always when Jesus was in the midst of the crowd. Because when Jesus was in the midst of the crowd, he saw the need and he was son of God, but there was still an emotional level of, he was face to face, he could see it, he could smell it, he could hear it. These people are like sheep without a shepherd and it moved him with compassion. I think for some of us, we just need to be broken again and moved with compassion for people that need what in a lot of cases you have and they have not found a home and they have not felt welcomed and maybe that was nobody's fault. But whatever you've experienced that is broken, you have the opportunity in an imperfect way to write it but it's up to you and it's up to us and it's up to whether we will step in and step out and we're gonna give, we're gonna serve, we're gonna invite, we're gonna sacrifice, we serve a resurrected Jesus. And so here's what I know and I will end with this, this is it, this is it right here, I'm gonna end with this. This spring, we're gonna have people show up that we don't know yet and because we're creating some more space for us, they they don't even know us yet. And we're gonna see people enter into the waters of baptism. We're gonna see multi-generational tides start to change. We're gonna see people encounter good news that they didn't know existed, even though they knew about Jesus. And we're gonna see marriages put back together and we're gonna see adult kids start to come back. And we have no idea in this moment who some of those people are, but it is Christ's love that compels us because there's somebody's one. So, here's what I want to do. I want you to stand up all over the house. And I want to tell you this last thing. And I think I've I've said this to some of you before, you've been around our family here. One of the most annoying things for me is to hear people praying for God to start a movement. Don't pray that. As we lead up to this thing, we're not going to pray that. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous prayer. God is not praying and doesn't want us to pray for a movement. God already started a movement. God is praying for you to just freaking move. And he may use different language than that, I don't know. (laughs) But he wants you to move. And when you move and when we are moved for the one, that one, it is not impersonal, guys. It is more personal than ever. Thousands of people, that, that may not move you, but when you know the stories of those people, when you've seen them, when, when on Christmas Eve, there was a, a row of people that were right, I'm not to point you guys out, it wasn't you guys, and that'll be important when I tell this story in just a second, so I'm just, it was down here. Um, but when I gave the invitation, several of them placed their faith and trust in Christ, and um, I walk in, and you, you just knew, man. Sometimes people just lean in where you're like, and this sounds weird, but you're like, they're on the clock. In about 45 minutes, their life is gonna change. And they put their faith and trust in Christ and going out, I got to meet them. And every single one of them talked about the fact that they all smoked pot together. And it wasn't you guys, that's why I was saying that. It's important that I draw that distinction. And, and they, they told me that one by one, we just, each of us have come to know Christ while being here. And on that night, two more of them were picked off from the, I don't know what they call themselves, the pothead club and placed their faith and trust in Jesus and with tears in their eyes, describing what God's done. I'm telling you, that's why we do what we do. So with all that said, let's stop praying for a movement and just move, just move, just move. And there's gonna require sacrifice, do things nobody else has done. There's gonna be some things we're like, uh, might work. Not really sure. We're gonna do whatever it takes and we're gonna risk whatever we have for the sake of the one. Wherever you're at in the auditorium right now, if you're online, you can do the same with me. And you're at a place where you just wanna stretch out your hand in agreement to go, I, I, want, I want to engage and I wanna be a part of what God is doing as part of this body and movement. You can do that right now, but I would encourage you to stretch out your hand and pray with me. I don't wanna pray for me, I wanna pray for us, I wanna pray for what God is about to do. Um, but if you're in this place going, I'm, I'm going, I'm in, I'm stepping out. Then right now, wherever you're at, all over the auditorium or online, Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for what we get to be a part of. And I refuse, I refuse to get to a place where, Lord, I lose sight of how amazing it is. And I know that we're just a small part of this global movement and mission, but man, what what you're doing here is special and we're not gonna take it for granted. I'm gonna realize what a big deal it is. How many lives that you are changing, what we get to do week in and week out. What you're doing is people leave here and they have an unbelievable influence in their community and in their business and in their boardroom and in their neighborhood. And they're being light in ways that are changing things. God, we desire to just follow you and we know that as you continue to fuel and to accomplish this vision that you gave on a beach in Anna Maria Island a few years ago that, Lord, there's gonna be misunderstandings and people will even misjudge motives, but Lord, I, you know our hearts and our goal is not for a building and it is not for center point and it's not for some specific number or or whatever other thing we could stack up. Our heart is that people would be reconciled to Jesus. And so God, as I stand on this stage and stretch out my hand, I I give my life to this. And I pray as followers of Jesus, wherever we are, because what I'm doing on this stage and what somebody is doing as they walk out of these doors, there, Lord, there is no... Degrees or levels of spirituality or purpose, God, we, we are all doing the same thing. We are all carriers of the light of the gospel. We are all ministers of reconciliation. And so God move through us and in this next season, we will sacrifice what really at the end of the day is not even sacrifice. And we will risk and we will step out and we will not live in fear because we serve a resurrected Jesus and we are relying on your grace that you will will lead us to a place where it will always be you and you will not allow us as a church to go off the rails and that you would make a city, I say this with full confidence, city shaping movement that maybe goes even beyond this city to reconcile people to Jesus. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. I pray for those without lifted hand, even right now, that you would fuel them with your grace, your power, your strength, and even your clarity for the future, and you would use them. And we ask this in the incredible, reconciling name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate, and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is, regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.